0: Chapter six of Animal Ghosts This is a Librivox recording. All Librivox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit Librivox.org. This reading by Alison Hester of Athens, Georgia. Animal Ghosts by Elliot O'Donnell. Chapter six Inhabitants of the Jungle Elephants, Lions, Tigers, etc. Elephants undoubtedly possess the faculty of scenting spirits in a very marked degree. It is most difficult to get an elephant to pass a spot where any phantasm is known to appear. The big beast at once comes to a halt, trembles, trumpets, and turning round can only be urged forward by the gentlest coaxing. Jungles are full of the ghosts of slain men and animals and afford more variety in hauntings than any other localities the spirits of such cruel creatures as lions tigers leopards are very much earth-bound and may be seen or heard night after night haunting the sites of their former depredations the following case of a tiger ghost was narrated to me years ago by a gentleman whom i will style mr de silva p w d i published his account in a popular weekly journal as follows the white tiger tap tap, tap, someone was coming behind me. I halted, and in the brilliant moonlight saw a figure hobbling along, first one thin leg, then the other, always with the same measured stride, accompanied with the same tapping of the stick. I had no wish for his company, though the road was lonely, and I feared the presence of tigers. So I hurried on, and the faster I went, the nearer he seemed to come. Tap, 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 The man was blind and a leper, and so repulsively ugly that the niggers on the settlement regarded him with superstitious awe. I had a horror of tigers, but lepers even greater, and I loved my wife with no ordinary love, so I hurried on, and he followed quickly after me. The night was brilliant, even more so, I thought, than was ordinary, and the very brilliancy made me fear for my shadow, the shadow of the trees shadows for which i had no name flickered across the road were lost to sight to return again and the jungle was getting nearer the open country on either side ceased one by one tall blades of jungle grass shook their heads in the gentle breeze and the silence of the darkness beyond began to make itself felt a night bird whizzed past me croaking out a dismal incantation from its black throat something at which i did not care to look clattered from under a stone i loosened with my foot and sped into the shade and i hastened on tap 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 faster and faster and faster came the blind man i could smell the oil on his body hear his breathing whoever you are sahib stop there was fear in his voice as he whined out these words a fear which increased my own "'but I pretended not to hear and pressed on faster. "'The darkness grew high over my head. "'At either side of the road waved the grass, "'rustling to and fro, and singing to sleep "'the insects nestled on its green stalks "'with its old-time song of the jungle. "'The grass ahead of me slowly parted, "'and my heart beat quicker. "'The tapping behind me ceased. "'It was only some small animal. "'What was it? A small hyena?' no a jackal a lame jackal and it looked at me from out of eyes that for some reason or other made me shiver i did not know what there was about the jackal that was different from what i had seen in any other jackal but there was something and as i looked at it in awe it vanished melted into thin air The moment after a second jackal appeared, just where the other one had been standing, but there was nothing remarkable about this one, and on my bending down, pretending to look for a stone to throw at it, it slunk back silently and stealthily whence it had come, and I hurried on faster than ever, knowing a tiger was near at hand. Tap, tap, tap. I blessed the presence of the blind man. "'For God's sake, Sahib, stop!' For the love of Allah, Sahib, stop. You know how they talk, O'Donnell. The jackals, did you not see them? I knew them by their smell, the smell of the living and of the dead. Walk with me, Sahib, for Allah's sake. Presently, O'Donnell, I heard a heavier rustling in the grass than the wind makes, a rustling that kept pace with me and went along by my side, never halting, but faster and faster and faster a short distance ahead of me was a patch of bright light where the crossroads met a few yards more and the jungle grass would end i thought of this o'donnell the beggar might not know the road so well as i he had no wife no child he was a leper only a leper and my teeth chattered here the colonel paused and wiped his forehead i slackened my speed The rustling by my side slowing down and the tapping grew faster. I was close to the whitened road. Sahib, the blessing of Allah, be on you for stopping. Sahib, let me walk by your side. To the end of my days, O'Donnell, I shall never forgive myself. And yet, I want you to understand it was for my wife and child. I slunk into the shade. Two steps more, and the tapping would pass me. The stick struck the ground within one inch of my foot. My heart almost ceased to beat. I gazed in fascination at the spot in the jungle opposite. The heavy rustling had stopped. Only the gentle sighing of the wind went on. The two steps were taken. The blind man paused on the crossroads. He was ghastly in the moonlight. I shuddered. His eyes peered inquiringly round on all sides. He was looking for me. He had lost his way. He feared the tiger. Suddenly, something huge shot like an arrow from the darkness opposite me. I bowed my head, O'Donnell, and muttered a prayer, for I thought my end had come. A terrible scream rang out in the clear night air. I was saved. "'Hallah! Curse you and yours, Sahib!' I opened my eyes. An enormous tiger was bending over the leper, searching for the most convenient spot in his body to afford a tight grip. The man's sightless eyes were turned towards the moon. His teeth shone white and even. With the striped horror purring in his face, he thought of vengeance on me. I dared not move. I could not pass O'Donnell. I had no gun the big brute found a nice place to catch hold it opened its mouth so that i could see its glistening teeth it looked down at its paws where the cruel claws glittered and they seemed to afford it keen satisfaction it was a tigress and vain then it lowered its head and the leper shrieked i watched it pick him up as if it were one of his cubs saw the blood trickle down his soft white throat into the dusty road and then it trotted gracefully away and was lost in the darkness of the jungle there was a death-like silence after this i waited a few minutes and then i got up i had only a short distance to go and i no longer feared the presence of man-eaters there was not likely to be another hours afterwards o'donnell when i lay in my hammock as safe as a fortress i fancied i heard the dead man's cry fancied i heard his voice no one was more devoted to a wife than i was to mine ours had been purely a love match and it was against my wish that she had accompanied me to such an out-of-the-way place as sicconi i told her about my adventure suppressing the leper's curse and i was glad i did so as she was greatly distressed thank goodness you escaped charlie she said i am so sorry for the poor leper i suppose you couldn't have helped him "'I might have fetched my rifle,' I replied, "'and tried to rescue him, of course. "'But I fear it wouldn't have been of much avail, "'as he would have been badly mauled by then.' "'My wife sighed. "'Ah, well,' she said, "'love is selfish. "'It makes one forget others. "'Still, I wouldn't have it otherwise. "'I wish this railway job here was over.' "'I murmured, sitting with my elbows on my knees "'and looking over the flat ground, sun-baked and barren, "'away towards the dark jungles "'and the still darker mountains towering above them. "'And as I gazed, a shadow seemed to blur my vision "'and a voice to whisper in my ears, "'Beware of my curse.' "'I took Couchet, one of the native servants, into confidence. "'Now, Couchet,' I said, "'You know all the superstitions of the country, "'the evil eye, and the rest of them. "'Tell me, what can the dying curse of a leper do?' "'Kushai turned pale under his skin. "'Not of Nara!' he stuttered, swinging the knife "'with which he had been cutting maize in his hand. "'Not of Nara, the leper of Futeba. "'Sahib, if you were cursed by him, beware. "'He was learned in the black arts.' He could heal ulcers by repeating a prayer. He could bring on fever. At this, O'Donnell, I turned cold. I had lived long in India. I had seen their so-called juggling, had experienced also strange cases of telepathy, and knew quite sufficient of their intimacy with the supernatural elements to be afraid. You must keep the young Sahib safe, Kushai said and the white lady. I wish it hadn't been Nara. I took his advice. My boy, Eric, was more closely supervised than ever. And as to my wife, I begged and entreated her not to move from the house until the tiger was dead, and I searched for it everywhere. The dry season passed, the wet came, and my work still kept me in Ciccone. At times, there came to us rumors of the man-eater of another victim, but it never visited our bungalow, where the bright rifle leaned against the wall waiting for it. I certainly did meet with slight misfortunes, which the more timid might have put down to the working of the curse. My little finger was squashed in the laying down of a rail, and Eric had several bouts of sickness. It was nearly a year after the leper's death that alarming rumors of a man-eater having been at work again were spread about us several niggers were carried off or badly bitten and the wounded showed symptoms of the loathsome disease so well known and feared by us all leprosy i knew from that it must be the same tiger the tiger is near some one would cry out and a stampede among the native workmen would ensue why the white tiger i asked kushai because sahib he replied the leprosy has made it so Tigers, like men and all other animals, go white even to their hair. I have not told them the story, Sahib. They only know it must have caught the leprosy. To them, Nahara is still living. Then, O'Donnell, when I thought of what was at stake, and of all the hideous possibilities the presence of this brute created, I took my rifle and went out to search for it in the evenings when the dark clouds from the mountains descended and the wind hissed through the jungle grass i plodded along with no other companion than my winchester repeater searching always searching for the damned tiger i found it o'donnell came upon it just as it was in the midst of a meal dining off a native and i shot it twice before it recovered from its astonishment at seeing me the second shot took effect I can swear to that, for I took particular note of the red splash of blood on its forehead where the bullet entered, and I went right up to it to make sure. As God is above us, no animal was more dead. "'The curse won't come now, Kushai,' I said, laughing. "'I've killed the white tiger.' "'Killed the white tiger, Sahib? Hala, bless you for that,' Kushai replied but don't laugh too soon nahra was a clever man wonderfully clever he did not speak empty words and as his eyes wandered to the dark hills again i fancied a shadow darted along the sky and the curse came back to my ears I was superintending the line one afternoon. The backs of the niggers were bending double under the burden of the great iron rods when I heard a terrible cry. The white tiger! The white tiger! Rods fell with a crash. Spades followed suit. A chorus of shrieks filled the air and legs scampered off in all directions. I was fifty yards from my rifle and a huge creature was slowly approaching between it and me i could hardly believe my eyes the white tiger the tiger i knew i had killed here it was here before me the same in every detail and yet in some strange indefinable manner not the same on it came a huge patch of luminous white noiselessly stealthily the mark of the bullet plainly visible on its big flat forehead step by step it approached me its paws no longer with the coloring of health but dull and worn and as it came the cold shadow of desolation seemed to fall around it nothing stirred there was no noise whatever not even the sound of its feet crushing the loosened soil on 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 nearer nearer and nearer shunned by all avoided by its fellow creatures of the jungle a blight to all and everything it drew in a line with me not once did its eyes meet mine o'donnell not once did it glare at the natives who were hiding on the banks of the cutting but it stole silently on its way with something in its movements that left no doubt but that it was engaged in no casual venture I remembered, O'Donnell, that my wife had promised to come with Eric to meet me along the cutting, as she was sure no tiger would be there. I ran as fast as I could, and yet somehow my feet seemed weighted down. I cursed my folly for not forbidding my wife to come. It was uphill till I got to the bend, and it might have been a mountain. It seemed so steep. I knew if the thing I had seen met them a little farther on, they would be cornered as the cutting narrowed very much, leaving not more than twenty yards, and that was a generous estimate. At last, after what seemed an eternity, I reached the summit of the slope. The tiger was a mere speck along the line. I rushed after it as fast as I could go, stumbling, half-falling, pulling myself together and tearing on, and the faster I went, the quicker moved the great white figure. A feeling of despair seized me, "'All my fondness for my wife became intensified tenfold "'and was revealed to me then in its true nature. "'She was the one great tie that made life dear to me. "'Even my love for Eric paled away "'before the blinding affection I bore her. "'I tore madly on, shouting at the same time, "'anything to make the white tiger aware of my presence, "'to keep it from seeing her. "'Another bend in the road hid it from view.' the same hideous fears gripped me hard and fast as i strained every muscle in the mad pursuit at last i ran around the curve and saw before me the tableau i had dreaded the tiger was crouching ready to spring on the group of three eva eric and the ayah they were paralyzed with fear and stood on the rails staring at it unable to move or utter a sound i well understood their feelings and knew they were laboring in their minds as to whether the thing that confronted them was a creature of flesh and blood or what it was they could not take their eyes off it and as a consequence did not see me the white tiger now went through a series of actions so lifelike that i could not but believe it was real and that i had been deceived into thinking i had killed it its haunches quivered it got ready to spring and my rifle flew to my shoulder i saw it mark eric and read the increased agony in my wife's eyes the critical moment came another second and the thing be it material or supernatural would jump i must fire at all costs if mortal i must kill it if ghostly the noise of my rifle might dematerialize it and as god is my judge O'Donnell, at that moment i had not the least idea which of it was tiger or phantom it sprang my brain reeled my fingers grew numb and as my wife suddenly bounded forward the shadowy form of nahra seemed to rise from the ground and mock me with a supreme effort i jerked my finger back and fired bang the sound of the explosion acted like a safety valve to the pent-up feelings of all "'and there was a chorus of shrieks. "'I rushed forward. "'The Aya lay on the ground, "'face downward and motionless. "'My wife had hold of Eric, "'who was shaking all over. "'Of the tiger, there were no signs. "'It had completely vanished. "'Thank God!' I exclaimed, "'kissing my wife feverishly. "'Thank God! It was only a ghost! "'But it was very alarming, wasn't it?' "'Alarming!' my wife gasped, It was awful. I quite thought it was real. So did Eric. So did. Then her eyes fell on the Aya and she gave a great start. Charlie, she cried. For mercy's sake, look at her. I dare not. Is she all right? I turned the Aya over. She was dead. Fright had killed her i then told my wife of the curse of nahra and of the phantom i thought i had seen of him when the white tiger was springing when i had finished my wife hid her face in my shoulder charlie she said i did something awful i saw what i then took to be the real white tiger single out eric and in my anxiety to save him from the brute i pushed the ayah in front of him and the thing sprang on her instead It was nothing short of murder. And yet, well, there were extenuating circumstances, weren't there? Of course there were, I said, for I verily believed, O'Donnell, fear had, for the time being, turned her brain. On our way home, she suddenly called my attention to Eric. Charlie, she cried, what's that mark on his cheek? He's hurt. I looked, and my heart turned sick with me. On the boy's cheek was a faint red scratch, just as might have been caused by a slight, very slight contact with some animal's claw. "'Sahib!' Koucha whispered to me, when he saw it, and heard of our adventure. "'Sahib, beware! Nahrir was a clever man. He must have used the spirit of the white tiger as his tool. Let the medicine man examine the scar.' i did so i took eric to a dr nicholson who lived close by he looked at the wound curiously for a few moments and then said to me-he was renowned for his plain speaking mr de silva there's no use in beating round the bush and prolonging the agony unnecessarily for you and your wife the boy's got leprosy god alone knows how-and at the most he may live six weeks the shock of course was terrible eric had to be isolated from everyone even those who loved him best and died within a month sahib i knew kushai said to me the day of the funeral i knew some disaster would befall you nahra was a wonderful man and his curse had to be fulfilled "'You may rest assured, however, nothing further will befall you, "'for I saw Nahra in a vision this morning, "'and he told me both his and his white tiger spirit "'were now on friendly terms, and he would trouble you no more.' "'My wife and I left the place at once, "'and for a long time I lived in a hell of suspense, "'lest she should develop the infernal disease. "'By a merciful providence, however, she did no such thing.' but on the contrary, picked up in health the most marvelous fashion. Indeed, she only told me yesterday she felt better than she had done for years. I've told you the story, O'Donnell, and it is true in every detail because it goes a long way to substantiate your theory that animals, as well as human beings, have a future life. I'm absolutely sure they have, I replied. Jungle Animals and Psychic Faculties it is of course impossible to say whether animals of the jungle possess psychic faculties without putting them to the test and this for obvious reasons is extremely difficult but since i have found that such properties are possessed in varying degree by all animals i have tested it seems only too probable that bears and tigers and all beasts of prey are similarly endowed it would be interesting to experiment with a beast of prey in a haunted locality to observe to what extent it would be aware of the advent of the unknown and to note its behavior in the actual presence of the phenomena chapter six